Wings for the game. Boom. Cash back. New lucky jersey. Boom. Cash back. Even a last-minute ice run can score you some cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the W, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees? Period. I'm telling you, this one is a game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to the Leave Report. This is Clark here. Hello, everybody. All right, James, my depth chart on my Excel spreadsheet is being filled in slowly, and it now almost looks complete. Uh, Joe Thornton is a Maple Leaf. Um, where were you on Friday afternoon when this went down? Were you, like, busy? Were you surprised? Like, you weren't surprised, but um, what was your <laughs> situation at that moment? Yeah, you're just, you're just being annoying. You know what I, I was moving on Friday. I was right in the middle of... I was right in the middle of the eye of the hurricane when you move, where the, like the moving trucks got all your stuff in the world in it, and is driving to the other place, and and then and then it, <laughs> I got word a couple minutes before that that something was happening, and I was like, oh, of course it is, of course this is the day, because any other day, so I then that's when I, uh, I can't, I think I called you or texted you and said all yours, and then you you wrote a great story on the site and. Away we go. Um, the only thing I felt good about is that at least we had a story a few days before it happened that the Leafs were talking to him and that this was a possibility. So um, I just, if you go back and read my story on, on Tuesday of last week, I didn't think it was going to move that fast because everyone was saying, oh, you know, Joe's going to take his time. He's going to think about it. He's going to play in Davos a little bit and he'll get back to us. No, it was obviously a lot further along than uh, than people were letting on. So um, pretty interesting. Pretty, pretty interesting. I mean, I, I, I think it makes a lot of sense. You know, apparently there were some other teams that were interested in Thornton. I heard Dallas was one of them. Um, I think Vegas was potentially interested just because they're interested in literally everybody right now. Um, but, you know, you know what's interesting, Jonas? And at some point, I'm sure we're going to write about this. Look at all the Ontario guys that keep signing back with the Leafs. Like, remember all those stories? I remember when I first started on the beat. 2008, I want to say, and there were all those stories about they couldn't get any homegrown guys, and other than I think Kadri was the only one from Ontario on the team at, at some points around then, and uh, that became kind of like a mainstream media kind of topic um, that they couldn't recruit back these these GTA players. Well, I think what they were missing is the team just needs to be good, and then you're going to get the. It's just like when they got Gary Roberts and. Uh, Joe Neuendijk and those guys signing back. Um, same kind of idea what's happening now is that the team's relatively good. And, you know, I think Joe Thornton looked at the team and it's like, this is this is pretty close and maybe I can help them get over the top. And, and Joe Thornton said, you know, he really liked the additions that, that they made as well in, in terms of Brody and Bogosian and some of these guys. Okay, you've hit on a lot of points there. I think we should kind of parse through them. Um, Actually, let's just start there with with um, his perception of the roster as being 
Stanley Cup ready. Like that's what he said that he wants to win a Stanley Cup and he thinks this roster is really close. Um, I guess that's not surprising. Like if if you're an outsider and you look at all the talent and you look at the opportunity um, with some of the changes that they made, you look at where you might fit. I mean, like it's not hard to look at the roster and say this is a team that could win a Stanley Cup, especially if you're leaving a team in San Jose um, that that came close but now is in obviously a rebuild rebuilding kind of mode even though they have some veterans on big contracts um i don't know i guess that does that surprise you at all given the way that last season went for the leafs that an outsider and someone um with a name like joe thornton well you know maybe his last nhl season looked at i'm not 100 percent sure this is his last season like i know he's 41 and everything but everyone says that like if he has a good season i think he's going to keep playing you know pierre Pierre lebron knows joe thornton pretty well you know and he said he's going to play forever, sure. whether it's in Switzerland or, or here. He's going to be kind of like the Yager. So it's not out of the question. Like, let's say the Leafs have a decent season and, mm-hmm. you know, maybe they, they go to the second round or they have some, a little bit of playoff success. I could see Thornton this being more than just like a one-year kind of farewell tour thing. Um, even though he's he's so old, there's, there's, a few, there's some players that... The thing that gives me optimism with Thornton is that Last season was obviously a disaster for pretty much the entire San Jose team. But if you look at the year before, Thornton was really good. He played a lot on a good team. Uh, they, they went to the third round, right? Yeah, they yeah. went to the third round against Vegas. They were a good team, and he was a big part of a good team. And that's yeah, not very long final. ago. It's a year and a half ago. Um, it could just be that he was on a really shitty team last year with weak line mates. And In terms of Thornton's perception of the Leafs, Maybe he's just been around so long and he's seen a lot of teams that have the level of talent that they do. And even though they don't necessarily have... Everyone's dunking on the Leafs and saying, why would you go there to try and win a Stanley Cup? I think they're just looking at how good the roster is. And I'm sure there was a conversation with Kyle Dubas and Sheldon Keefe and Joe Thornton. And they said, we think we're close. Here's why it didn't work out last year. Here's what we need. Here's why we think you can help us bring that. And, uh, and you know, if I'm Sheldon Keefe or Kyle Dubas, I'm saying... We had the eighth best record in the NHL after the coaching change. Um, here's the way we want to play, and this is why you fit into it. And, you know, we feel we're a top 10 team, and that with you and Brody and uh, Bogosian and, and Simmons and some of these other pieces, we feel like we can be a top five team. And I think you could make a pretty convincing argument along those lines. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's out of the question that they could be that again, that they could have 105 points. Like it. It's, it's just interesting given, I, I guess one thing you recognize is that when you're kind of in the day-to-day of a team, like you're either you're a fan, you're a media member, you're someone who works for the team, you're living it day by day. But when you're someone like Joe Thornton, like you're not living it. Like you're probably just looking at the Leafs, how they lost in the playoffs. Like you don't probably know the inner workings. And you probably, like you said, you look at Matthews, you look at Marner, you look at Riley, you look at Tavares. I was kind of surprised when he said like i love frederick anderson like that was part yeah. of the reason me signing i think that kind of makes sense given the goaltending that he's had in in san jose but like he he probably has no idea that last year was kind of a down year for frederick anderson like you're just not in yeah, it i'm sure he's seen the stories and stuff i, I, mean, I like, doubt it man uh, I, I i just think when you're if, living it uh you you process it more but when you're on the outside like you're just i don't know you're you're somewhat aware i would think well, I, I think you had it in your story, too, that he played against Anderson a lot in the West, yeah. right? And, and and Anderson was very good against San Jose for whatever reason. So, you know, in some of those Pacific Division battles they had, Anaheim and San Jose. Yeah. yeah. Well, so um, before we get to kind of where, where he fits, I do think one really interesting element of this um, is how much he signed for. Because, like, um, when when we started talking about this, like, just back and forth on Slack in, like, August... Um, Oh, I think it was earlier now, weren't we? T- we were talking about this in June, like during the pause. Yeah, I guess that's like, true. I think the pe- but then I, I the story you wrote. Yeah, go ahead. Back, I think it was in June or something like that. You wrote about the free agent targets they potentially could have. Well, that no, that was the end of August. I wrote the ten that I thought fit best, and we were kind oh, of okay. playing around with like, okay, what's he going to sign for? And I was like, well, I mean, if they can get him for like two, one and a half, like I, I would do it because I, I like the fit, and we'll get to that in a sec. But the fact that he's he's coming for the minimum, it just makes it a no risk thing for the Leafs. Like, like you mentioned, I think that, I agree with you. I think there's opportunity that he bounces back on a better team, better line mates. I still think he has 
something to give. But for 700 grand, like it's like, I, I wonder how that kind of came about. I guess he doesn't need the money. I, I don't think he does need the money. I mean, he made two last year in San Jose and I'm sure, and, and part of the conversation could have been, like the Leafs could have fit in one and a half, but then it's going to make everything really tight. And then they're going to have to run a 20-man roster the whole year. And they're going to have a hard time adding at the trade deadline. And Kyle Dubas could have said, like, we really want you, but we're really tight against the cap. And it would be, I don't know. I don't know how that conversation would have went. But pretty clearly winning is of more value to Thornton. So, so not only are you getting, like, the hometown guys coming back, you're getting them coming back for almost nothing. Yeah, same with Spetsa, you're getting obviously, the, right? Yes, yes, you're getting them. And, and I mean, like, say what you want about Simmons, but he turned down more money elsewhere. And even Bogosian's from not far from Toronto, too, right? He's from upstate New York, yeah. I think. Um, I don't know. It's, 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 it's pretty interesting that uh, just with the financial landscape around the league, too, I think every a lot of guys are going to be taking less. And But I think Thornton's is almost symbolic. You know, Shanahan had that big speech to the RFAs about taking less to win, and then it turns out it's the <laughs> old guys that are all do or that are all doing it. So it's uh, the people that are criticizing this this signing. I don't really understand. It, it it feels like you're either trying to be contrarian, or you don't like the Leafs or Kyle Dubas or I don't know. Like you know what I think part of it is, James. I think it part of it is the fact that he's 41. And if you just like look at the fact that he's 41 and Jason Spetz is 37 and you look at just the number, like the age, and you're thinking, guys, like nobody can play, like not many guys can be effective at 41. But if you like take some time and kind of look at some of the numbers and look at how he performed, and if you look at how he performed last year, even despite his line mates on a crappy team, like there's still some some good stuff in there. You mentioned the year before. I, I just think well, it's I didn't the see people age. people writing that about Chara or whatever. Like, I mean... Yeah. I don't know. Well, maybe because it's, Chara it's, and the Bruins have won. I don't know. Maybe the perception of Thornton is different. I don't know. Even if Thornton is done, what's the downside? Like, if he's done at midseason, you just you're like, this isn't working, and we're going to release you from your contract, and yeah, just like you can Yager. sign with another team. You can sign with another team, or you can go to Davos and play there, or and and we just don't think this is working. Or you can have a conversation with him and say. We're going to play some other guys in the lineup. We need you to sit some games and we'll rest you and we'll use you at the playoffs as, as we need you. Or, like, I don't think Spets is going to play as much as he did last year. I just think they've got a lot more options now down the lineup that, that Spets should probably sit half the games. Yeah, I, I mean, I it's, it's, it's good. If, if Thornton is on your fourth line, I think it's going to be hard to play him with Spets. Like, well, I think that that's just. So let's stop there. I don't think he's on your fourth line. At all? No. Oh, I see. You're saying if, if Thornton doesn't perform, and he ends up on your fourth line. I could see him getting some games on the fourth line. Yeah, maybe. I, 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 I don't think it's impossible. No. So, but so let's talk about that. Where he fits. Obviously, like you can zoom out and you say, well, they could use a, a third line center. He should be the third line center. I kind of assume that that's where he starts. But I mean, maybe they they play around with it. Uh, I think what what I like about Thornton, and it's something you and I talked about them needing is they just need some guys who can actually play center and play the wing. And, and I, I like the idea that this doesn't uh, box you into having Kerfoot as your third center if you don't want him there. Yes. Um, what do you think yes. about the fit? Well, they, they needed another option at center. I mean, we were talking, we've been talking about it the last couple of weeks. Like if it was a Lucas Walmark or uh, uh, Johan Larson was a guy I was talking about. Like there weren't a lot of options at center who could potentially play as your third line center. And the Leafs needed one, you know, they didn't have a lot of flexibility in the lineup last year. They didn't, they weren't able to move a lot of guys around. And whether you think Thornton can be the third line center, or at least it gives you another option. Maybe he can be your third line center in the offensive zone, an offensive zone draws. Yeah. And then, then someone else is your third line center on defensive zone draws. And, you know, I, I understand that he's 41 and he's coming off a poor season and you don't know, but at least now... If you're penciling in the lineup, it's like third line center, Thornton slash Kerfoot. Yeah. It's not just, it's not like Kerfoot in like ink and you can't move it because there's no other option. That, that, that's, that's the benefit of having, they, they need, they need some more flexibility in this lineup. The only thing is, is that I was talking to Kevin Kurz, who, who's obviously covered Thornton forever in San Jose and asking if he, if Thornton had ever played on the wing. And he said like, hardly ever, like almost so the people that are kind of like thinking Thornton's going to play 
a lot on the wing. I don't know that that's going to be the case. Yeah, but he played a bunch with Pavelski, and like Pavelski's a center slash wing. Like, I don't know. I, I I can see it it fitting. I like the idea. Two parts that you mentioned there. One, I like the the possibility it gives you to reunite that Kerfoot Tavares Neander line, which was, if not their best, right there last year. Um, and then I like the idea of creating kind of two bottom lines with different purposes. I just, the only thing with that is I don't know that they have the personnel per se to have like that really defensive fourth line, but maybe it's like, yeah, I don't know who, I don't know who ends up on that line, but maybe like you use Thornton Simmons VC as like your, you just load them up in the offensive zone, uh, and then try to create more of a defensive kind of fourth line. I don't know. Yeah, I'm I'm not 100 percent sure who's on that defensive fourth line. Like they do, it still doesn't feel like they have like the personnel to yeah. to pull that off, do they? Like they don't they don't really like who's going to be your fourth center. I guess Angval. I guess you keep working with him and hope that you know if, if someone like Barabanov or someone like that could play center, but it just doesn't. They just don't have a whole um, Travis Boyd, I guess, but he's not really he's not like a strong defensive guy. I don't know. I mean, but it does feel like they've got more options than last year where it was kind of like Kerfoot and the Goat had to be your three yeah, and four. Yeah, and that's not good. And then when when there was an injury to... It's unusual, too. It's unusual that there aren't more wingers that can play center well on a team. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, th- that lineup flexibility is going to allow Keefe to try a bunch of different things. They might go in with one plan and it changes within the first few days of the regular season and then they're on to something else well i like also the idea that you add another guy who can actually make people around him better uh one of like the the problems i think with their third and fourth lines last year but the third line especially is like with kapanen and like kerfoot kerfoot's a pretty good passer but like i feel like with thornton like you could envision him unlocking some opportunities that wouldn't have been there otherwise like maybe that's for simmons maybe that's for I don't know, maybe that's some time with Tavares. Like, I just think because he's such a good passer, he's going to make people around him better. And I think once you get, if you can do that beyond Matthews, Tavares, Marner, like if you get an extra layer of that uh, in a playoff series, I think that can be something. And I also think his style might be more conducive um, in a playoff series. Like picture him in that series against Columbus where it's kind of really slow and they're kind of keeping you to the outside. Like someone like that, who can pass the puck the way he does and doesn't necessarily rely at all on his speed, I feel like that can potentially help them. But again, like he is 41. Like who knows what that'll look like. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing they can do if, 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 if Thornton comes back and he can't play. I mean, the, the, the key thing is, is that you can't get into a Marlowe situation where the guy doesn't have it anymore yes. and the coach doesn't recognize it and continues to play him way too much. And, He's dragging down one of your top three lines. Like that's that's disaster. But if you recognize it and you're willing to have the conversation with the player and say, "Look, like I bet you Thornton's willing to play on the fourth line. I bet you he's willing to sit out some games. I bet you like I don't think it's gonna be. I don't think he's coming in here with a big ego to to try and you know bull his way to having a huge role on the team. But no, well, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. You know, we're gonna do a mailbag and take questions from readers, but I can already see a bunch of the questions are kind of like. We can sort of talk about this now if you want, but like kind of just like the personality fit. Like you're bringing in, you're bringing in, a, you know, a Hall of Famer, and uh, it's gonna. I mean, Thornton's a guy that's like beloved everywhere he's played, so I don't think that's gonna be a problem. But it's gonna be an adjustment bringing in all of these veteran big personalities. It, it's definitely gonna. You know, a, a lot of the changes that they've made are to our sort of depth pieces, mm-hmm. but it could change the personality of this team and not just on the ice. Okay, let's get to that right now. I do think we should add before we get to that, actually. Um, he, he should make a really big uh, imprint on their power play. I'm really curious to see what they end up doing with their power play units, but I... I don't know how you use them or what you do with their two units, but I, I well, think he's interesting okay. there. Yeah, so... This is why I was gonna like. Do you put him on the first power play unit, and if so, who do you take off? I would because if you're if you're yeah, so would I because if you use him on the second power play unit, he might not hardly play there. So I would try and I would try and build something with him on the first unit and see if he can get it to work. Here's the issue though, James. Like if you're going to do that, 
I think you're almost better off taking off two pieces from the first unit and going with the old Mike Babcock two good units approach because I guess the question is like who are you taking off? So of the forwards, are you taking off Matthews? No. Are you taking off Marner? Okay, we'll put a question mark there. Are you taking off Nealander? Maybe. Uh, Tavares? Maybe. Like it's got to be one of those. Yeah. Three guys, and then I almost think you're better off taking off two and kind of trying to have another right. a second good unit. I haven't studied this extensively over whether the teams that have two good units versus teams that have one good unit, what's what's the better approach? I'm sure some people listening might have read something about that. Um, I just like the possibility of Thornton setting up Matthews. And to be honest, like the Marner-Matthews thing didn't totally work. Like it I, I, I mean, I guess it did. Matthew scored a bunch of power play goals, and their power play was good. But it as the season got on, they, they became just as predictable as they were last year. The other thing, too, is that if you have Thornton, Marner, and Riley out there, that's a, that's three guys on a power play that aren't big shooters. So, yes, that, that's... I mean, the, the, I know it's great to have good passers on the power play, but it, it almost seems like what you're talking about when the power play wasn't working, it's like they're passing it around too much and looking for brilliant plays, which can be hard to find sometimes given how good some of the penalty kills are in the NHL. Yeah, it's a really good point. Well, now that you're saying that, I'm thinking, I wonder if you could replicate what they used to have that first year with Marner, with Bozak, and Van Riemsdyk. I wonder if you tried Marner in that same spot, you put Tavares in the Bozak spot, and you put Wayne Simmons around the net, and you try to kind of replicate that same dynamic where you never kind of knew what... um, Marner was going to do. Uh, I guess they also had Kadri in that middle spot, but I, I wonder if they could unlock something like that, and then maybe your other unit is like Neilander, Matthews, and Thornton. Anyway, um, you mentioned the personality stuff. What do you think of that? Like, clearly they wanted to add um, more veteran pizzazz, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> like, they wanted to strengthen the room. You have all that these way. '80s words, um, Moxie and pizzazz. Yeah, well, because and- hockey. Hockey uses too many of the same words, and it drives me nuts. Yours are, so I'm yours are just very unique. Dig deep. All right, what do you think of the pizzazz? <laughs> I don't know if I would describe Bogosian, Simmons, and Thornton as adding pizzazz to a roster. Thornton is definitely pizzazz. It's like, I, I, I like personality. I think personality makes sense. It's going to be really interesting, because if it works, then everyone's going to say, oh, like, the you know, the leadership and experience and... And if it doesn't work, everyone's going to say they went away from the kind of analytical roster building technique and they added these quote unquote character guys. The thing is, is that in this market, Leafs fans have seen GMs and coaches pursue the the character and that kind of with, with the absence of talent on the roster. And that does not work at all. That does not work at all. What'll be interesting is if you can... This is different. Like people can't compare this to what Burke tried to do. It's not the same thing because the Leafs have the high-end talent and they're trying to supplement it and complement it by adding some character deeper in the lineup. Uh, I don't know if I can think of a good... Is there a good, good comparison around the league of a team that did that and it worked? Uh, I mean, I'm almost thinking of like those old Detroit teams and they brought in all those veteran guys that played on the third line, like Robitaille and those, you know, that obviously there wasn't a salary cap then and it was a bit of a different situation. They they brought in Shanahan. They brought in, you know, maybe there's like somewhat of a comparable there. How about Dallas last year? Right. And that's what Kyle Dubas brought up on, on his conference call and... He mentioned Sakara and uh, Perry and uh, Pavelski. Pavelski. He, it, Coliano was another good addition for Dallas, I think. Cogliano. That, that, that yeah. helped them. Yeah. I guess what's interesting is is this team last year, they kind of handed the team to the young players, that young core, and said, like, this is yours. And now they've kind of taken a step back and said, like, we need to kind of support you a little bit more. Um, and, and honestly, I don't know how you would come out of last season and not think that you need to do that. Like remember all the times and all the post games where it was like you kind of needed to hear from one guy and it was always like Jake Muzzin like what do you think about this like you were like the sage guy you've won a cup like you're experienced what do you think and now you can kind of look around their room and you're like oh well 
Simmons has has you know a lot of experience. He's played almost a thousand games. Thornton is Thornton. Suddenly, Bogosian just won a cup. He's been around the league a long time. Like suddenly, you have kind of the infrastructure to. I I've thought about it in the way of like policing the room themselves. Like they can kind of, Sheldon Keith won't need to feel as much like man, like, I got to call them out after this game. Like, it's, it can kind of be handled more internally. Like, you have the personalities with the credibility to do that. Does any of that make sense? So, uh, this makes sense. I wasn't going to do it this way with the mailbag, but there's a lot of questions along this theme. So, I'll just mention what the, the general theme of the questions is. And it's, is this an indictment of the Leafs leadership group that they had to go out and add these guys? And oh. <laughs> Well, you know what? I, I think what happens, Jonas, is that when you don't have success, it breeds a lot of cynicism, right? So they're going to get asked sure. a lot of tough questions about whatever they do. No matter what they did this offseason, it was going to happen. If they traded for you know, some star player, there was going to be questions about whether it was the right move or not. And you know, I, I think that until they start winning more, uh, you know, in the playoffs and, and, and in, well, in the playoffs, I mean, even if they win the president's trophy and are the best team in the regular season, people are going to question this team. So, um, but you know what, though, I think that I don't know if I would go so far as to say it's an indictment of the Leafs leadership group. I would say it it's an indictment of maybe that they didn't. I don't think it's an indictment. I think it's a recognition that you needed more yeah that's what i was gonna say i was gonna say maybe it's an indictment of they didn't have enough voices you know Tavares is a very quiet guy like Tavares is like he's like kind of like you know and those those players have been praised a lot in the past you know kind of like lead by example like no he that guy works his ass off he's he's he like eats hockey pucks every day and but he's not like he's kind of like a hockey nerd like, he, you know, he's walking around with his backpack and he just, I really like talking to John and he's got, he's got like a very, he's a very cerebral when he talk he thinks about hockey and, but um, he's almost of a different, it sounds weird, but he's almost of a different generation from the young players and he's not really like, I don't know. He just no, leads in fair. a, he leads in a different way. And I, I think that you get like a Simmons and a Muzzin and a, and a Thornton and then you're start, and Bogosian, you're going to start, I think it's going to be more of a vocal leadership. And it's complementing what what Tavares does in terms of his uh, the way that that he goes about his business. Well, and you can you can have more credibility internally that way when you have like who was gonna I don't know if if Matthews or Marner does something wrong in a game like who's gonna who's gonna get on those guys like now you have actually guys with the credibility to do that now all this stuff can be like over uh, rated. But I do think that there was, I don't know if this was intentional or if it was just that maybe he thought it was overplayed as a, in, in hockey. But it, it did seem like in the past couple of years that Kyle Dubas kind of just maybe brushed that aside. Like he looked at like, you know, they, they let Ron Hainsey go. They let Roman Polak go. They let, like, some of these guys go who kind of added that veteran I had whatever. someone close to the team tell me that losing Leo Komarov was was big. Just because yep, the, perfect example. The, the guys, like, they like obviously they didn't want to sign that contract that he wanted. And, like, good for Leo that he went and got the deal that he did. But, you know, the, the, I was told that there were a lot of guys on that roster who really looked up to Leo. And he was kind of, like, he was a, stable, he was a stabilizing force just with the way his personality was is, is what I was told. And it, and I was just told they really missed him from someone that's, you know, really close to the team. And you can talk about on ice and all that. And like, maybe, maybe, I don't know. So I think they're trying to regain some of, and I think Hainsey is a good example. And we're not talking about the way they play on the ice necessarily. We're just talking about things like accountability and, it's going to be interesting, though, Jonas. You know, I remember last year when we were in Newfoundland in training camp writing about how much different the roster was going to be than the year before and how they were going to have 8 to 10 new players and turn over a lot of the roster, especially low down the lineup. And they're doing it again. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're basically half the blue line is going to be different. Um, three or four, well, probably four, four or five of the top 12 forwards, top 13 forwards are going to be different. Um, but when you don't have success, I mean, that you can't really go back with the status quo. So some disruption is necessary and it's just going to be, if they do this every year where they change, 
you know, eight to 12 players on the roster, there's going to, they're going to need some time to settle in and figure out what, what exactly they are. Well, and, and we saw last year that that can be difficult to, to integrate all those different new players that, that sometimes they don't just get comfortable right away. Like I thought that was one of the underplayed Barry. parts of the early part of last season where Barry had a hard time. And like, I mean, there's another example on defense where TJ Brody's played his entire career in Calgary and now he's going to be coming to a new team, a new city, like totally different situation. And it might take him a few months to get settled. And that can be when you combine it with all these other guys, like Thornton's played 15 years in San Jose. I don't think it'll be the same issue for him given his experience level, but it could be. And, you know, uh, you, you just wonder how all the different pieces kind of fit. It took Alex Kerfoot a while to get going. Uh, and if next year is going to be like this compressed shortened year, it could make the start a little bit difficult. Wings for the game. Boom. Cash back. New lucky jersey. Boom. Cash back. Even a last minute ice run can score you some cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking a W, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees? Period. I'm telling you, this one is a game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. All right, you want to go to the mailbag? Yeah, there's actually there's lots of good stuff. I got 80 questions, which obviously we can't answer all of them. We've already gone through a couple of these. Uh, I will just go... All right. Here's Mahesh, who's one of one of my favorite readers on Twitter. I get lots of good stuff from him. He asks, do you think the Leafs will trade Frederick Anderson or trade for another top 4D before the season starts? There was a lot of noise around all this stuff. And I mean, basically Kyle Dubas said no. You know, I, I don't think Anderson's getting traded. I think that that was something that if if you take what the Leafs are saying at face value, other teams were coming to them and saying, would you potentially move Anderson? And um, I think it's it, I, I think they went in after the playoffs and they thought about a lot of different things. And um, that was one that they thought about and didn't execute on whether maybe that's because Laner didn't get to free agency or, you know, maybe the trade that they wanted wasn't there. Maybe they liked, I don't know. I don't know this. I'm just speculating. Maybe they liked Darcy Kemper, but they didn't like the asking price on him. I, you know, I said on the last podcast, the Arizona wanted a first round pick. Um, Anderson, by all accounts, is staying. And I don't think they're, they're going to trade for another top 4D. I think that, you know, Kyle Dubas is saying that this is the group they're going to go in with and, that makes sense. I mean, they did do a lot of things in a short window of time, and and I think they're largely done. Don't you? Yeah, I do think it is. I still think it's a, a risk, a, a pretty big risk. Not a pretty big risk. Maybe a medium-sized risk that they're trusting this again to Frederick Anderson. Yep. Um, I thought after last year that you couldn't do it again. Like, this was happening. Like, it kept happening. The same thing was happening. And obviously that was compounded by his poor regular season. But then like you get into, like you have to be practical. Like what could you have done? Um, You could have, I guess you could have tried to sign one of those guys like Corey Crawford or Thomas Greish. You could have been more aggressive with like, yeah, Yeah. Kudobin is who I, you could have like been offered them a bigger contract. Like I think, I don't think Corey Crawford was like doing backflips to go to New Jersey. Like you you could, and I think what he signed 3.9, I think for two years. I mean, yeah. so. like that, that is enticing to me a little bit more than Anderson, but yeah, he, he, but like, he's also 35 or 36 and like, I don't know, his numbers last year are pretty good. His, uh, the advanced stats on Crawford are like, he was not the problem in Chicago. Like imagine Chicago is going to no. be, they're going to be brutal next year. Like it's going to be, it's going to be really tough for them. So, I mean, he, he was, he was a big part of that team. I'd, I don't know if people read it, but uh, Mark Lazarus, who covers the Blackhawks for us at The Athletic, had an amazing story with Jonathan Taves and basically saying that they don't agree with what happened in the offseason. I mean, that's one of the biggest stories that we've had at The Athletic in the last couple of weeks. So I encourage people to go seek it out and read it. Well, he said they felt blindsided by the the Blackhawks basically pivot into uh, a rebuild. There were all those quotes from Stan Bowman, the GM there too, basically saying that, 
you know, I'm the GM and they're the players. And it's like, man, this does not seem like the right way to go here on this. So, No, he's had a tough few years there. The Panarin trade, obviously, did not age well. Um, but I do think that's risky. Like, uh, I understand it because maybe you look at those other guys and you're like, are they really like upgrades on Anderson? And But I don't know. Given what I saw last year, that would make me very nervous. Like among the big questions about this team, that's right near the top. If it's well, the top. honestly, Jonas, I think if he struggles for you know the first half of the year, I think you look at making an in-season move. And you make make a change. But the how old, do you like for who? You know the, what I mean? Like well, whoever's available. Like if there's some team that falls out of the. I mean, obviously, yeah. it's not ideal circumstances, but the, the, the party line from the Leafs is that they weren't shopping Anderson, but they were listening. And I don't like other teams were saying to me that they were shopping him and the Leafs didn't seem to like that that was that perception was out there. But I don't know if that's just like a protect Freddie kind of thing or I, I don't. I don't know, James. Like, how could you not have how could you have watched what the regular season was and then watch some yeah. of those instances in the playoffs no. and said like, yep, we're totally fine. Like we don't need to address this at all. I'm surprised how many fans still have Anderson's back to be honest. Like there's a lot of, he's still got a lot of support. So this is, and, and I know in, internally the Leafs think that Campbell is, can, can be something. So, you know, they think that, you know, maybe he challenges him and plays more. So um, Campbell's played so few games that, and then they added Aaron Dell too, who's, played more games than Campbell. Um, they at least have a, some options there. Um, but yeah, it's, Anderson, you know, and if, if Anderson doesn't get off to a good start, like maybe they just start giving Campbell more starts. And if he plays well, yes. like maybe he just becomes a starter. It's not crazy. I think that that's the intention. I think is that the, to be more of a tandem depending on, it's going to be more depending on how guys play than just anointing Anderson. And as far as should we answer that D question? Yeah, um, I think this is the group. I mean, originally when they got Bogosian, I was like, I wonder if they're going to move out one of the other guys and kind of, I guess, I guess you know what it says, Jonas? It kind of says they don't think Sandine and Lilgren are ready. You know, they, they talked a lot about those guys needing to play next year, but I, I don't think they're going to get a lot of NHL games. Well, and I just, I the more I thought about it, the more, like initially my thought was when they signed Brody, it's like, well, man, maybe they need to move like Dermot or Hall, but... I just actually don't see the point totally. Like, I would rather just have those guys and and kind of see what happens. Like, maybe maybe Lettinen doesn't like come over and like maybe it takes some time some time to adapt and maybe it doesn't fit or like maybe maybe you don't want to play Bogosian every night or maybe like Hall doesn't have the same season. Like, I just think you'd rather have options as opposed to last year where like. They had to play Timothy Lilligren eleven games, and it, it went terribly. Right, and they had to play Martin Marinch in a bunch, and like they had to play him in the playoffs. Like, uh, next question: uh, Are we strong enough on the third line? Matt asks. Another big question, I think, right near the top. Yeah, I mean, I think if we did like at some point before the season, we'll do like the ten big. Oh, I think we're gonna we're gonna write something on that, like kind of a conversation today, right? Like. The, the mm-hmm. five or the ten biggest questions facing the Leafs uh, after kind of their overhaul, it's going to be... I think the third line is probably right near the top. Like, just in terms of offensive depth, and it's very unsettled who's going to play where, and it's like they've got a whole bunch of guys, and all of them you can look at and be like, yeah, that, that could, he'd be a pretty good fourth liner. But there's there's not a lot of guys where you're like yeah that Kerfoot's probably the only one where it's like yeah he's a, he's a good third line player in the NHL yeah it's like I don't even know who you'd like just playing around with it the last few days like who you who you even pencil in there like do you pencil in VC do you pencil in Simmons do you pencil in Mikheyev do you pencil in Thornton like there's a lot of uncertainty with that line and obviously their third line was an, an issue for them last year um, you just want to have a line that that you can kind of trust a little bit more and that can drive play. I guess that, that third line did drive play, but it didn't contribute much offensively. And now you look at those that bottom group and like they have a lot of guys, but it's not really certain who is going to emerge. But I guess that was kind of maybe their strategy. Like, let's just get a bunch of guys. Let's take some gambles. Like, let's bet on, on Jimmy Vc bouncing back and Simmons bouncing back. Um We'll, we'll take a chance on Travis Boyd. Hope he comes cheap. And if a couple 
three or four of these guys or three guys hit, like maybe we have something, you know? Ontario Outlaw asks, is having more options and players who can play multiple positions, does it add depth beyond just talent and skills of the individual by diversifying what each line could be? So that's kind of, that's kind of, um, it's like they have, Sheldon Keefe has a lot of different options. And we, we talked about this in the last podcast, but now that Thornton's here, it, it kind of even crystallizes it more. I think you could see some different wingers playing with, with Matthews and Tavares. And I wonder if you can maybe push a Mikheyev down the lineup onto that third line. Maybe Mikheyev plays with mm-hmm. Thornton or, you know, maybe, yeah. you know, you, you're you going to want to give a little bit of, maybe it's VC and Mikheyev that play with, with Thornton. And then you... You know, you put uh, a VC or a Simmons or someone like that higher in the lineup and you try and just spread the talent around a little bit. You see this around the league. Like they don't, you know, teams don't just play their three best players on the one line and then their three next best players on the second line. Sometimes they're looking for fit and sometimes they they feel like their stars can can carry lesser players. I mean, Pittsburgh does it, does it really well. I think the Leafs are going to have to get into that a little bit of, of playing around and looking for different fit. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Well, and you know when they can do it, especially now that they have some of these guys, they can do it in a playoff series. Like, if you're looking at that series um, against Columbus, Sheldon Keefe obviously tried some things. Like, he tried loading up with uh, Tavares, Matthews, Marner. But maybe maybe if things are kind of grinding to a halt offensively, maybe you throw Simmons up with Tavares or you throw Thornton up with Tavares. Like, you, there are different looks that you can have and, and different types of personalities in terms of style. Like Simmons is kind of unlike anybody they had last year. Like he's big and he's physical and he can score around the net. And like VC, if you look at how VC scores his goals, he scores like attacking the net. And like I, I just think they've added different dimensions than the past. Like we talked about it last or at some point recently that they just felt like they were kind of too much the same. And it was the same on defense. Like they were too much like of. It was too much Justin Hall and Rasm Sandin and all these guys who are kind of like the same model I guess, in some ways. Yeah, I guess if you're looking for kind of like uh, inefficiencies in unheralded players, that could potentially be a trap that you fall into where a lot of them are, a lot of the guys that are the Leafs were, were getting were, yes. were, were playing the same way. Um, we've only got about 10 minutes left, so I could blast through some of these a little bit faster sure. if that lightning round... Lightning round. Um, Drew Willett asks, is there any chance in hell one of the best players of our generation sees time on a line with the best even strength goal scorer in the league? That's obviously Matthews. You think Thornton will play with Matthews? I mean, on the power play, probably. I think it's possible. I mean, I don't see why it wouldn't happen at some point. Like we've seen, obviously, Sheldon Keith be really flexible and creative with that kind of stuff. I mean, maybe after a penalty kill, you do what I wanted them to do and just go Tavares, Matthews, Thornton, just like the number one line. I don't know. Like, I, I could see it, like, for in situations like that or, or late in games when they need a goal. Like, they just added another guy that when they need a goal late in a game, like, they can just load up with two lines and, and try to get themselves a goal. The, the big thing, obviously, is Thornton is, is not fast at all. Yeah, and there are a bunch of questions along those lines kind of. It's, you know, somebody, is he too slow? Yeah, somebody. But you know what the thing with Thornton though is that he's always been slow. That yes, that, that's, that's exactly that's it. always been a criticism of him, and it's I, I don't know. I know it's a different position and everything, but Chara is very slow and he makes it work. So, but I, I think the <clears throat> I was listening to Mike Johnson uh, talk on on TSN. I believe it was on Overdrive right after the trade or right after the signing happened. And uh, the thing Mike was saying is that. Nobody plays like Thornton in the league. Like he's a very unique player, and not everybody's going to be able to play with him and accommodate the way that he plays and make it successful. So they're going to kind of have to try and find. You know, Thornton plays a very cerebral kind of. It's not about speed. 
You know, it's about how he moves the puck and and finding seam passes and uh, making his line mates better using that. But not all the wingers are going to be able to play with him. So part of this, us thinking through what the third line is going to look like, it might be it might be some trial and error in terms of who can play with him and who can't. Well, and it's like you said, James. Like maybe just the odd offensive zone faceoff. You throw him on the ice with Matthews, or you throw him on the ice with Tavares. Like you can really play around. Like you don't have to be so. I think that's one good thing with Sheldon Keefe is he's not so like. It's just this. Like, he's not so rigid with what he's doing um, that he'll do stuff like that throughout the game. Johnny, who's emotionally distanced, uh, that's his name, um, he says, how will Tuesday go for Mikheyev? Uh, he means Wednesday. Uh, the arbitration yeah. hearing for Mikheyev is on Wednesday, unless he unless he knows something we don't, and on Mikheyev's going to sign a contract on Tuesday or something. Um, <laughs> you wrote about Mikheyev's arbitration. I've, I've, I've covered arbitration a lot. Uh, I know a lot about it. Um, what were your takeaways kind of looking into the, the Mikheyev arbitration case? Um, that it was probably a mistake for Mikheyev to go to arbitration uh, because now the Leafs can choose a two-year contract. The big thing, and you've been helping me out with this, is what is the award, a.k.a. the contract and the cap number, going to look like? Because there is not a case like Mikheyev, a guy who's played so few games. Um, so it's possible he gets a really low award. And if you can get a really low award for two years and Mikheyev is as good or close to as good as he was last year, you've got a real bargain on your hands. Um, so th- that was kind of my main takeaway that that it was probably a mistake for Mikheyev to go to arbitration, but we don't know what the arbitration is going to look like. Do you think for sure the Leafs ask for a two-year arbitration award for Mikheyev? Like, so, so the way that it works for people that don't know is there are, there's player-elected arbitration and there's team-elected arbitration. And the players get to decide first and then the team decides next. Uh, in this case, Mikheyev decided he wanted arbitration. Whichever side asks for arbitration, the other side gets to decide the term of the arbitration award, either one or two years. Uh, Mikheyev has two years left until he's a UFA, until he's unrestricted. Um, so if he only had one year left until UFA, you can only do a one-year deal because you can't have UFA years be bought by arbitration. That's that's the Coles notes. So the decision in front of the Leafs is, do we want to ask for a one- or a two-year arbitration award uh, from the arbiter if, if, if in fact, they, they don't get a, a contract signed before arbitration begins? Yeah, and, and that's an important note that Almost all the time, like Cap Friendly has all the arbitration cases. Yeah, it's like ninety going back to two thousand eight. Yeah. yeah, like most of the time, it never goes to arbitration. They just settle before. But I don't. I don't know. You tell me. I I couldn't come up with a good case um, for going one year. The only case is that the number is going to be lower. But then, like, you have to do this whole thing again next year, and he's going to have more ammunition. Like, is is there any justification you could see for going one year? I guess the only thing, the the reason why people don't like arbitration and they rarely go there is because it takes it out of your hands and they're all of a sudden introduce some uncertainty into the process. And mm-hmm. if you, let's say you ask for a two-year deal and then Dan Milstein goes into the arbitration hearing and just kills it and talks about points per game and how good and McCabe projects to be and all this kind of stuff. And then the award ends up higher than you wanted and it's also for two years. Um but it, it's hard to picture an arbitrator giving him a lot of money given how few games he's played. I, I don't know how they deal with the injury. Like, I don't know. Do, like, do you punish a guy because he was hurt and missed half the season? Or, like, like I, I don't know how an arbitrator is going to handle that. It could be the best case that that Milstein and, and Mikheyev have in arbitration is they can just talk about points per game and, and kind of how productive what he was and how many minutes he played in the games that he was healthy. Um, but at worst case scenario, what's the most he's going to get? Like just under 2 million over two years? Even that, you're you're, 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 you're like, eh, all right, we'll, we'll, we'll make it happen. Do you want to do one more? Um, yeah, let's Save see. Save time? Yeah, we got... Hmm. Here's a good question. How does Keith deal with all of the new depth? How does he keep everyone happy and engaged? Which I think is a fair question. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's that's one thing that that Duba said and that I've heard from some agents and free agents is that you know the players aren't clamoring to come to Toronto anymore because they don't see there's no room on the roster. Like if you're a free agent, you're not gonna you don't want to sign somewhere where you're gonna be you don't want to be the next Kenny Agostino. You know, and it'll be <laughs> interesting. It'll be interesting if like a Travis Boyd or 
you know, some, Jimmy VC, some of these depth guys, if they feel like they don't get enough ice time in Toronto, they might end up getting frustrated 10 or 20 games into the season. Or I don't think you're going to run into that with Sandine and, and Lilgren yet. Um, but it's something you got to be aware of. Like, you don't want to have, you don't want to have like 30 NHL players and a whole bunch of them can't play. It, it, it'll be hard to keep them happy and engaged, as, as Wally, who asked the question, says. I think the harder one will be with the veteran guys like Thornton and Simmons and Spezza. Um, because like some of those other guys like Anderson and Boyd, like they don't really have a claim to anything. But what do you do and how do you kind of keep guys on board if if like Wayne Simmons you look at and suddenly you're like, you know what, he's he's a, he's fourth line at this point. Like he can only play 10 minutes a game. And he's thinking, no, like I'm, I've got more left. I think that's where it gets hard. Or like if you decide Zach Bogosian – shouldn't be playing all the time. What do you do? Like, I think that's where it gets hard with guys like that. Like Spezza accepted it really well last year, but it got a little bit awkward, obviously with Mike Babcock. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it, it's going to be half something that has to be finessed a little bit. Who's sitting and, and we know in Toronto, you know, the way that it gets covered, the guys that are scratches get talked to a lot more than they do in other places. And sometimes it gets turned into something. If, you know, the guy doesn't say the right thing and it'll, mm-hmm. it'll be uh It'll be something they have to uh, have to massage a little bit, but you know, with the way the roster limit's going to work and everything next year, I think it makes sense to have extra guys. And Kyle Dubas even said flat out, we might have a twenty-man roster at certain points, and I think that that makes sense. All right, if you aren't a subscriber to the Athletic, go to theathletic.com/leafreport, and you can receive an all-access all-access subscription for just one twenty-five a month. James, I actually wanted to play a game that I created. Um, so we'll do that next time. And maybe we can ask, answer some more questions on the next podcast we'll do next week. Some good pizzazz there, Jonas. It was good. Thank you. That was real moxie. I really I've got it. Man, I don't know where you Your thesaurus is good. We're going we're gonna to get you a newer version. <laughs> it's the 1984 version. All right. Talk next week. Thanks, James. <laughs>